am Charlotte. I'm a therapist based in little old New Zealand. Life is too short to walk around feeling crap, so come and join me as we explore how to feel better. Whether feeling better for you is about managing anxiety, improving your relationships, lifting your mood, or working out who you are in this world, this is the place where I hope you will find some strategies and insights that will help you feel better. Thanks for joining me. Well, hello, and welcome to this episode on a topic that I am very passionate about, that my clients are often not that passionate about, uh, but I make sure we cover it anyway, and that is sleep. Now, I am quite obsessed with sleep for my clients. They don't expect that when they come in with a presenting issue like anxiety or feeling stressed or having low mood, Uh, They don't expect that they're going to end up with a whole big consultation around their sleep, but it is a topic that is so significant and important when it comes to our mental health. Obviously, sleep is super significant for lots of the processes in our body, and we need to rest to be able to digest our food properly, for our bodies to be able to recover, to enjoy a state of relaxation where our bodies can get up to some other significant processes overnight. And also sleep is super important when it comes to our mental and emotional health. It's really important for our cortisol levels, for helping us to do emotion regulation well, for things like memory consolidation. It is just a very important thing to get right in our lives. And I think it's pretty hard to feel good, to enjoy good mental and emotional health if you're not getting good sleep, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not getting deep enough sleep. And so this is a topic that I really hone in with my clients. Sometimes what happens in counselling is people come with a presenting issue. So they come with something that uh, they say, well, you know, this is my issue. My issue is anxiety or my issue is my mood or whatever it is. And to get to their desired goal or outcome of feeling better, feeling less anxious or whatever it is, handling interpersonal situations better, whatever it is, our role as a counsellor is sometimes to to work out the best way to get to that end desired state. And that might mean taking a little bit of a course that is not necessarily what the person would have predicted would have been within our focus. But when it comes to sleep, this is often something I'm talking to my clients about. I want to tell you about a piece of research. I actually shared this Um, I've shared this a lot, but I shared this with a client recently. And at the end of every single one of my counseling sessions, I say to my clients something along the lines of, tell me what has stood out to you most from today. We usually cover a lot of ground in an hour long session. And I'm always really interested in what is it that has stood out most for them from that time that we have had together. And sometimes, to be honest, it really surprises me. And there are some things that maybe we've covered or that I've said along the way that I've kind of had in the mix there as maybe a little bit more sort of throwaway comments or little sort of asides, and they end up being some of the most significant things that they hold on to from that session. So for example, I was talking with a client recently, and she shared about how this thing I'd said around a piece of research was actually one of her top takeaways from the session. So I'm going to recap that here. There was a very significant, robust study that looked at people who experienced anxiety, and they put the people into two different groups. The first group, they worked on their sleep before they gave them an intervention for their anxiety, and it was a CBT, cognitive behavior therapy-based 
um, set of sessions that was focused on helping them to manage and resolve some of the anxiety that they were experiencing. So group one had sleep intervention, followed by a course of CBT for anxiety. The second group had the course of CBT first and the sleep intervention second. Now they looked at the measures for the person around their levels of anxiety immediately after these interventions and then in the medium term. And both in the short term and in the medium term, the people for whom sleep was prioritised as the first intervention did a lot better and their anxiety scores were lower. Now that is quite interesting, isn't it? That actually sometimes, you know, what we would often say when someone is experiencing an issue is like go to therapy and like go and like deep dive into what is happening for you with this anxiety. But what this piece of research says is actually sleep needs to be the priority and you get better gain out of your therapy if that occurs after you are getting sufficient sleep and your sleep has been worked on. Now, I know that some people feel like it's a little bit chicken and egg, this like, oh, I'm so anxious I can't sleep and I can't sleep and so I'm anxious about that or, you know, that um, their sleep is being interfered with because of their mental health. And I understand that um, that sometimes it can, it can be not such a linear process and it is a little bit more muddly. But the key thing that I want to say today is we should all be focusing on our sleep if we want to feel better in our lives. Now, the main complaints I hear are people feeling too wired or worried to go to sleep or waking up during the night feeling wired and worried. And so I want to address that kind of particular aspect of sleep and talk generally about some important sleep hygiene points um, and just kind of a few things that I've found along the way that I think are really important when it comes to sleep. There are two key questions that I want to ask today. Number one, how do you respond well to your worries throughout the day? And number two, how do you make time to downregulate your nervous system during the day? So sometimes people have these really busy lives, let's be honest, all the time. <laughs> Most people have these really busy on-the-go lives. And then we get to nighttime and we expect our bodies to be able to do this total relaxation process and end up in the ultimate state of relaxation, which is sleep. We run, 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 run through the day and then we get to the evening and we expect our bodies and our brains to be able to switch off and do this thing called sleeping. Now, I would just ask you to step back and think about, is that a fair expectation or do you need to actually look at how you include some relaxation throughout your day? So one of the things that I do constantly throughout the day, and I'm sure that if people were looking on at my life, they would think that I was a little bit cuckoo for doing this, but I swear by it, I go and lie down multiple times a day. I take some time, literally sometimes to like get under the covers. Sometimes, this is going to sound really dodgy, but sometimes I take my pants off. Like, I mean, like I will take off like my jeans or my restrictive clothing so that I can feel really deeply relaxed and almost um, like I'm not going to have a nap. I'm going to actually feel really deeply relaxed and switch off from the world around me. I will lie there for a few minutes. I'll do some deep breathing exercises. I'll close my eyes. I'll think about some things that I'm grateful for. I'll just be really kind of aware and present with my body. Now, that is just, for me, a really lovely thing to do throughout the day is to give myself some time that I can feel deeply relaxed. 
Because if I just run like a mad woman throughout the entire day and then get to 9.30 at night and get into bed, I don't find it easy to go to sleep if I haven't made time for down-regulating my nervous system and getting my body used to relaxing at other times of day. So for me, I think it is really important that we think about what our days look like and where our downtime is. Even things for me like during the afternoons when I'm home with the kids, I try and like kick my shoes off, get my comfy clothes on, lie on the couch, have a cup of tea. Like I try and really force myself. That is not my nature. My nature is to go, 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 go and cram as many tasks in as possible. But I think it's important we consider this question of how do we make time to downregulate our nervous system during the day. Now, when I use that term downregulate, um, I don't want that to sound too like buzzwordy and for you to not be able to understand it. So basically, an up-regulated nervous system is when we are too wired, a down-regulated nervous system is when we are feeling soothed and settled. So down-regulating our nervous system is just about that like experience of actually feeling really calm and settled and letting all of the cells in our body relax, letting our minds switch off and find a place of relaxation during the day. Now then what I hear from a lot of people about is like my head hits the pillow and then all the worries come out. And I have heard people talk about all sorts of worries that plague them in the evening when they're trying to go to sleep. They might be big picture worries about the world. They might be anxieties they have about health or their children or their own lives and decisions. It might be replaying interpersonal situations the list can be really varied in terms of what people worry about. Now, I know that this sounds a little bit odd, but again, if you have been really busy during the day, have you had enough time to worry well? Now, that might sound incredibly bizarre to you, but where do you make space during the day if you're finding that you're getting to the evenings and you're getting flooded with all this worry? Where do you make space during the day to allow worries to surface and to deal with those things, to write them down, to make any plans that you need to make about those um, actions that you're going to take to help resolve those worries or reasoning with yourself that, you know, I've taken the following steps and so therefore I don't need this worry that I'm doing anymore. What attention are you giving to your worries during the day? Now, I would also ask another important question when it comes to worries, and that is, what is your emotional need that is behind your worry, and how do you best meet that? So, for example, if in the evenings all of the worries for you are about health and your own well-being, then what are you going to do during the day to help meet your need that you are feeling empowered about your health or that you're feeling as in control as you can feel about your own health. If it is a need for safety and your worries are about, you know, security related things or like worst case scenarios, what is the need that is behind that? Is it to feel protected, secure, loved and control like what is going on what is the emotional need behind that worry and how are you going to be proactive about addressing that I think really often when it comes to worries we think about like how do I just make this go away we have to remember that we as human beings we have evolved to be anxious we have evolved to be like like the ones who survived of the human race were those people 
who actually could do worry well because that meant that we survived threats and predators and different situations because of our worry. So we've actually evolved over time to become more and more anxious as human beings because worry is actually a very protective thing for us biologically. We're actually doing what the like caveman and woman part of us actually should be doing that is biologically appropriate and that is worrying to protect ourselves. It is just that a lot of the time in our modern environment that worry is going too far. Something that I think is really important to remember about worry is that Anxiety or worry is overestimating the likelihood of something bad happening and then underestimating our ability to deal with it. Now, I'm going to say that again. Anxiety is overestimating the likelihood of something bad happening and underestimating our ability to deal with it. Now, the reality is that usually that thing that we are worrying about is not as likely to happen as our brain is presenting to us and also that our capacity to handle it is much more advanced, we're much more capable and resilient than we think we are. So if you are finding yourself in that like wild imagination time before bed and thinking about all these crazy things that could be happening um, and feeling really worried about those things, I would highly suggest writing down those concerns, making plans, looking at the capacities that you have to deal with those things and bringing some time and attention to your emotional needs that are behind your worry and to what are you going to do to respond well to worries. I think so often we just go, oh, this is so annoying and we just want this to go away when the reality is we need to find good ways to respond to worry and anxiety. It is appropriate. We have evolved to be people who do this. It is a protective thing. It is our brain trying to do its job to protect us in life they are all really really good things um we just need to keep that worry in check in terms of making sure we're not doing that overestimating and underestimating that we can get caught in so make time to respond well to your worries throughout the day i think that is really important when it comes to getting good sleep now getting kind of more to the pointy end of talking about sleep and some sleep hygiene matters One of the first things that I talk to my clients about and I'm always like, oh, I'm really sorry and I get it and this might be your best friend, but can we just talk about caffeine? And then I'm often like, and now let's talk about your second best friend. Can we just talk about alcohol? And I know that uh, people are often very reluctant to bring their attention to the use of those substances. But basically, we know that alcohol is a depressant and we know that caffeine is a stimulant. And the competition of those things in our body is a bit of a wild time. So, for example, if you are drinking caffeine, caffeine has a really long half-life in our body. It has a half-life of 12 hours. So if I explain that to you like this, if you have a coffee at 11 o'clock in the morning, at 11 o'clock at night, if you are trying to go to sleep, you will still have half of that caffeine in your body. Now at 11 o'clock the next morning, you will still have a quarter of that caffeine in your body. At 11 o'clock the next night, you will still have an eighth of that caffeine in your body and so on and so forth. So that one cup of coffee or that one energy drink or cup of tea or whatever it is actually takes a number of days to get out of our system. So if you can think about when you are hitting the pillow at night, how much caffeine is in your system that is trying to keep you awake? Um, that is kind of competing with your desire to go to sleep. I think that that is a really important thing to be considering. Now, 
When it comes to sleep hygiene, I think something that we can all consider is how to put ourselves to sleep like a baby. Now, when my kids were super little, and we're still actually quite routine about bedtime in our house, but when my kids were really, really little babies, I had very tight routines for them, and most parents do around bedtime. So, you know, they would have the steps of their bedtime routine were in exactly the same order. So after they had had dinner, they would have like a milk feed from me or from a bottle. They would have their bath. They would have like a song. They would have some scent in their bath. They would have like two books and then they would get in their little sleep sacks and pajamas and get wrapped up and tucked up ready for bed. Now, so often I think when adults are going to bed, they like, you know, they might be working on their laptop or watching something on a screen, scrolling on their phone, quickly going and brushing their teeth, um, jumping into bed and then expecting like, ta-da, immediately going to be able to go to sleep. And it is not that easy. So you can consider what substances you've got in your body that are helping or harming your ability to go to sleep. For me, I know I have my caffeine really early in the morning, so it's not competing so much when I'm trying to go to sleep. And I'm very low on um, the level of alcohol that I drink. So most weeks I have no alcohol. I might just kind of have wine or something for a special occasion. Um, and then I'm pretty limited with kind of the number of standard drinks that I would have. Um, I think that when it comes to alcohol, one of the things that we know is that it can help you get to sleep, but it makes it harder to stay asleep. So that is something to be particularly aware of if you're like, no, no, I'm actually able to get to sleep really well. It is just waking up that I'm finding hard. That is particularly when you want to be considering what is happening with alcohol consumption. So putting yourself to sleep like a baby, highly routine, including scent. One of the hacks that can be really useful is um, blackout curtains. Now, I know that a lot of people will say to me, like, yep, I've got blackout curtains in my house. But how much light leakage is happening around those blackout curtains for you? So it's something that you can do if you're struggling with your sleep. And it often is just kind of part of the reset period. And it doesn't need to be something that you're doing forever. But you can get from a fabric shop blackout blind fabric. So it's like the fabric that goes behind our curtains, but you can actually pin it or tape it or glue tack it or whatever. Velcro it was what we used to do um, to your window frame so that no light is getting in and you're getting um, a, a much, much darker room. That can be really, really helpful. Consider as well your use of screens and devices. Now, if it is unavoidable for you to be using screens in the evening before you go to bed, like within a couple of hours of your bedtime, you might want to consider blue light filter glasses. So they are glasses that you can get that are like not reading glasses, but they have a blue light filter that that means that the screens that you're looking at are not going to interfere with your brain, with your eyes in the same way. And that is really important when it comes to getting a good restful night's sleep. The other thing that I often suggest to clients is thinking about high-dose magnesium. So um, we need magnesium for good sleep. And in particular, if you're someone who is feeling really wired throughout your day or you um, are fidgety when you get into bed, high-dose magnesium is really important for our sleep. Now, um, the most efficient way of our bodies absorbing magnesium is actually through our bloodstream. Um, rather than taking supplements internally. So you might want to have a bath with some Epsom salts. You might want to put magnesium spray on your arms or legs or whatever part of your body is most restless. Um, you can also get magnesium creams. One of my favorite things to do 
is actually put. I've got a grounding scent that I use. It's a high quality essential oil. Don't go and buy nasty like scented fragrance kind of things. Like go find your crazy essential oil lady in your community and get her to give you something that is good for sleep. If you don't have a crazy essential oil lady, message me and I will help you find one. But you can put some essential oils into a little tub of magnesium cream and then you're getting a smell that is associated with your sleep. And you're also getting the benefits from that magnesium in terms of calming down your muscles and helping set you up for a good night's sleep. So that is absolutely one of my favorite things to do as a sleep scent that I weld. My my brain and my body smell that scent when it is time to go to bed. And it is part of me going, right, this is a smell that I only smell before I go to bed. My body knows what to do now. And that is really important that using scent to be able to cue something to our brains and bodies is a really powerful thing we can do to help support our sleep. So few tips there in the mix around magnesium, around thinking about your sleep hygiene, getting really routine, using scent, thinking about how dark your room is. Um, and then the other thing that I think is really important to consider is a problem that a lot of people talk about is getting uh, into bed and all the worries start flooding. Now, what we want to do is break the association between I lie down and worrying happens. We ideally want you to lie down and for sleep to happen. And one of the things that you can do when it comes to helping to break that weld is if you are getting into bed and you are not sleeping and you're finding yourself going into that really high worry zone, then get out of bed. Go and sit in an upright chair, and there are a lot of sleep consultant people who will tell you to do this as well. Go and sit in a firm chair, like not a sleepy space, not going and sitting on the couch. Go and sit in a firm chair, and when you have drawn those worries to a conclusion, try and go back to bed. There is some really interesting um, evidence around basically our sleep coming to us like a train, like there are these windows of tiredness that We've kind of got to catch the train when it is coming past all of us or the whatever you want to think about, um, where we get to that kind of state of like, right, I'm tired enough now and I'm ready to go to sleep. And the best thing that you can do is get out of bed if you're finding yourself ruminating when you're lying there, get out of bed, go and sit somewhere upright. Um, and then when you're feeling sleepy again, go back to bed and try going to sleep again. Now, this is something that I've learned from a sleep consultant who works with adults, and it is definitely something I encourage my clients to do. Don't stay in bed doing this worrying thing. Get up and go and sit somewhere else because we need to restore the expectation that your brain and your body has that when you lie down, that when your head hits the pillow, that it is time to go to sleep. So if you are worrying, you need to get out of bed and go somewhere else. Now, while I talk about sleep consultants, they're not just for babies. Sometimes I think uh, we think that sleep consultants are just for babies who aren't sleeping particularly well. And actually, sleep consultants uh, exist for adults too. There are sleep clinics where you can go and get your sleep studied, where they will help you work out what is going wrong with your sleep. Um, and, you know, where you can get wired up to certain machines and they can look at what is happening with your breathing, what is happening within your brain and your body and give you some really good data about what is going on and a plan to help you with your sleep. So there are specialists who focus on sleep. And if you need to find one of those people, there are a couple of great people in New Zealand that you can see. If you are overseas, do a bit of a Google search and see who is in your area. But don't 
leave good sleep to chance. And if you're having problems in this space, you really need to do something about it. So just remember that there are other people who are in the mix who are specialists. There is actually a whole program as well of cognitive behavior therapy um, uh, treatment, CBT treatment that is a specialist suite of program um, that is focused on helping people to sleep. And so there are some therapists who specialize in that as well. And again, have a search if that is something that you want to pursue. But my main thing to say today is sleep is really important. It is important that you bring your focus to this if you want to feel good in general, but particularly if you are having struggles with your mental and emotional health, you need to give your sleep your attention. We know that dealing with sleep is a foundational issue for us to feel better in our lives. And it, it can be really easy to think, I just need to go to therapy, or I just need to do this, or I just need to do that. And we forget about the basics. And even like the basics in our lives, it's like good nutrition and enough water and some sunlight um, and our sleep. Like these foundations of our health are really important. We can't underestimate it when it comes to our mental well-being. The other thing, actually, I forgot to say that I'm going to tag in here. I'm going to tag it in here instead of editing the episode. So go me, avoiding my perfectionism that I lean towards pretty heavily at times, is something that can be really helpful is sunlight exposure. So trying to get before 11 o'clock in the morning, trying to get our eyes exposed to natural light. So without sunglasses on, um, head outside for a walk, ideally 15 minutes. But one of the key things about that is that it's really important for regulating our circadian rhythm. So the idea if we get exposed to natural light in the morning for 15 minutes, it is not just about like a vitamin D factor, it is about our eyes being exposed, our brains being exposed to light so that we know that when it is dark, it is time to sleep. So it is that light exposure, uh, more so actually than the dark exposure that helps us to build that sleep pressure to go to sleep in the evenings when it is dark. So I hope that there has been something in that um, that can be a bit of a takeaway for you to work on with your sleep. Um, I hope that more than anything, this has inspired you to bring some attention to the topic of sleep in your life and to think about how bringing some focus into this area might help you to feel better. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to connect, so feel free to find me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see when the next podcast episode is out. See you next time.